You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis, and I'm part one of the dynamic duo that is Inside the Jungle, and on this episode, we're going to be breaking down and Auburn Tigers men's basketball victory over the Georgia Bulldogs at home in Auburn Arena by the score of 82 to 60. The Tigers now stand at 15 and 0 on the year and are undefeated as well in conference play at 3 and 0 for their conference record. We're going to break down all the storylines, action and stats from this game to do so. Here's the other half of Inside the Jungle. Mr. Drew Hooper. Drew, I am pleased to know that you made it through the terrible storms that ripped through the Southeast this past weekend. Yes, I made it through Storm Allen Flanagan, who destroyed the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. But, uh, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, I know that it kind of threw a monkey wrench in a lot of people's uh, schedules this week. If you were planning to come to Auburn to the game, there was an opportunity possibly for me to go, but that kind of shifted with the uh, craziness that happened with shifting schedules, moving the game up um, in anticipation of the terrible straight line winds and toward potential tornadoes that were coming through Alabama around the game time. And, you know, I can say from honest perspective here, it was probably a smart decision because when it hit, it hit hard. And you guys said you lost power, but thankfully you weren't affected too much. Yeah, I think we're good. ESPN, though, should never be the weather authority because they kept so showing the same radar graphic starting off the game all the way up until like the four under four timeout in the second half. So shouldn't go to ESPN for your weather updates because it made it look like the storm never moved. In some cases, though, should you ever go to ESPN for anything other than just to consume content as, in terms of watch the game? Uh, their commentators at times are abysmal. Uh, their obviously weather coverage is awful. Uh, and yes, it, it was kind of annoying for them to continuously show the same thing over. And he's like, we get it. It's coming this way. You don't have to keep talking about it. We, we've already known that you've moved the game up. And when moving a game up, you know, that can kind of throw a monkey wrench into schedules, obviously, for the patrons, the fans coming to the game, but obviously for the team and how they prep. I mean, think about it, Drew. They were ready for a primetime matchup game on ESPN, Auburn at home for a sellout crowd against their rival Georgia Bulldogs. So you got to think a little bit maybe this could have been an opportunity for Auburn to kind of have a slip-up game because of their messed-up schedule. Did you see any of that taking place throughout the game? Uh, I did not. I, I saw quite the opposite. Auburn did get off to a slightly slow start, but... After like the first five minutes of the game, that was nowhere to be found. I, I thought it was impressive because, I mean, let's harken back to these Auburn teams with old. Game got moved to 11 o'clock. One, that arena would have been a desert. No one would have ever been in it seven, eight years ago. 
but also the fact that the ESPN considered it enough to still broadcast the game too, because they realize this is a top 10 Auburn team who is lighting the world up right now. And so I just think sometimes it's nice to take a step back and look how far this Auburn program has come. It is. It's really crazy. Now, here's something that was just brought to my attention before we got on here to record. Uh, someone tweeted out to the network, uh, tagging us in it and saying, you guys asked for it. You wanted it. Here it is. And it's the San Diego State fans who are the only undefeated team left with us chanting, we want Auburn. Now, that, there was a possibility you might hear that in football every once in a while, but we want Auburn to beat them. But, Drew, how cool is it that a team says they want a piece of us and to come get some. I wish right now, personally, we could just like take away that Iowa State game and say, let's go to San Diego State and finish this thing out. I mean, would you be in favor of that? I, I would be in favor of it, but I don't think San Diego State wants the smoke right now uh, mm-hmm. because Samir Dowdy, like one yesterday, came out wanting just to be play angry. And it was a joy to watch all around. I, I don't think San Diego State realizes what they're getting into with that. But I mean, San Diego State, they, they've won all their games. You got to respect them. You do, and they do have a much easier road to staying undefeated than Auburn, as we've already addressed in previous episodes here. Uh, but it would be fun to see a matchup. I really wish we could like, make something like that happen, but alas, unless it happens in the tournament, we will not see San Diego State for some time. Uh, with the Storm 2 comes the opportunity for Bruce Pearl to show how awesome of a guy he is. He's an awesome coach, a recruiter, but personally, he's just he's a... I'm trying to think of a better word than marketer. That's what I've written down here to describe him because that just sounds kind of sleazy in some ways, but he's just, he's just a great guy. I mean, and he realizes the magnitude of this game, obviously, but the effort it took for not only staff of the arena, his team to adjust their schedules, but for the fans and the students to come out in the morning, he's out there in line handing out biscuits to these students and thanking them for getting up because we know college students, a lot of them do. They're probably still kind of working it off on Saturday morning. And uh, for them to be out there and supporting the Tigers was awesome. And I, I Drew, I just, I, Bruce Pearl just finds ways for me to fall more in love with him every day. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's one of those that you can really tell that this is genuine Bruce because this was Bruce at the University of Tennessee. And this was Bruce at Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He he loves basketball, but he loves the university in which he's at. And I think he is easily one of the more perfect people for college basketball. Yeah, you still got a lot of people who gripe and moan about the whole barbecue thing with NCAA, which I know we're not, we don't talk about often, but... There's so many coaches who have had other things happen, and we all know the NCAA is a, a load of garbage. And so it, it's just one Tell of Tell me those, how you really feel, Drew. <laughs> uh, push all that aside and just look at Bruce. Like, Bruce cares. He shows up. He fights for these guys. But he also he supports everything about the university and really strives to make it just a fun atmosphere and a place to be. I mean, I, I hearken back just being part of the stoppage time broadcast here. Uh, when Bruce and the team came out and grilled, for a game a big Auburn game as far as women's soccer went like that just speaks to what Bruce is trying to build not just a fun basketball product but a respectable program all around from all areas just as a quick aside here on this topic I'd be interested to know what you think about this Uh, and this is in no way indicating that I'm unhappy with Alan Green I think he's done a great job stepping in uh, to a monumental task as our new AD. But would you ever want Bruce Pearl to be your AD, even meaning Auburn, but in general? Because I think he is like the perfect fit 
for that role. He he's he's been with the athletes. He's obviously a big hit with the students. I personally think he would be an excellent AD. What do you think? I think he would be he'd be serviceable. I I think he is just too much into coaching once his hand and everything in there and just loves that part of it. I, I think it would like tear him up to watch someone else coach basketball. Uh, so I, I just, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. I, I think Bruce will coach and coach and coach. And honestly, like I, I have to respect him for doing exactly what he loves and not ever striving to be anything bigger than that. I mean, he could possibly have hopped to the NBA at some point. He's been a quality high intensity coach that people love to play for, but he's chosen to stay in the college realm because he loves really just molding the lives of these young men that come into the different programs he's been a part of. And he's definitely made a great impact on obviously many basketball players that we've seen over these six years with him on the court, but also off the court as well. It's completely changed uh, the demeanor of a program and a fan base as well. It's had an amazing impact. Uh, Speaking of impact, Auburn being in the conversation and not just conversation, really leading the way for the SEC right now. So with this game here, this is, and not just for Auburn, but for the rest of the SEC, this was kind of the first full week of games where we had a chance to see how things were going to shake out here. And, you know, after um, not only Auburn, but Kentucky, Florida and LSU, we kind of were assuming they were the cream of the crop in terms of the SEC right now. Florida took a loss to Missouri. LSU won by one point. Kentucky uh, won. And obviously Auburn won as well. So I guess my question to you, Drew, would be, have we begun the separation from the rest of the SEC? Will, uh, Will it be Auburn, Kentucky, and LSU remaining at the top for the rest of the year? And will we see Florida continue to fall away, or will they come back up to the top? How do you see the the separation shaking out for the SEC so far? I, I really don't know. I think Florida's broken. I don't know who broke them, but like they're just – they're awful right now. Uh, I mean, just to get trounced by Missouri, I believe is on their own home court too. Yep. Like that – that's a rough pill to swallow. And I mean, Blackshear's doing good, but some of the pieces just aren't fitting right now. They turn the ball over like crazy. So I just don't see them coming back to reality. Uh, I thought, you know, we get these first couple of games in in the SEC and see where Florida's at. And Florida has dug themselves deeper into a hole. And I, I think they're going to be hard pressed to dig out of that unless they have a big reality check. Uh, Kentucky, I think John Calipari's team this year is decent but not great I don't think Maxie even scored yesterday in that game and so it there they just kind of get lost at times as well and then LSU squeaked out another one against Mississippi State but I think it kind of goes the tears of Auburn and Kentucky are going to lead the way Arkansas is going to follow suit right behind them and I don't know who's going to join them in that class quite yet what I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that based on what you said about Kentucky, too, that you think that this is Auburn's conference to lose at this point. I think it's Auburn's conference to lose. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe it's Auburn's conference to lose right now because I was telling you before we hopped on that Auburn is favored in every game going forward except for two games away at Kentucky and away at Arkansas. And even still in both those games, they're very close as far as the percentage in which the ESPN Power Index, for one, ranks them to win. And I I can't really knock that right now. I, I don't want to just be a Barner, but right now as hard as you want son just keep on burning but just to keep transparency no one's beaten auburn auburn came out against a decent georgia team that beat a ranked memphis team not too long ago last week and they made them look silly like they didn't even belong on the same court at most of the time 
And so I think if Auburn can get over this hump of slow starts, it it's going to be hard pressed to really knock Auburn down many pegs. I, I think we're looking at probably two to three losses in this SEC play, but I, I think that wins the league. Yeah, I think it does too. And I think you touched on something there that I want to expound upon just a little bit here. And you kind of already somewhat answered the question, but I want to see what else you think about it. I, I was asking the question after this, is the UGA win a good litmus test for Auburn? Because when you see a 20 plus win, uh, for a team, you you like, oh man, they just rolled over on them. And granted, it was at home, so that kind of obviously plays into us a little bit. But is the UGA win a solid win for Auburn? Now, obviously, you brought up that they beat Memphis on the road. That's a huge win for a Georgia team. They've obviously got a potential number one uh, pick in the NBA draft and Anthony Edwards. Do you think this is a game and a win now that Auburn points to on the resume and said, this is why we deserve to be in whatever topic of conversation it is? I think it's definitely a good jumping point because Georgia competed with Auburn for the first five minutes and then legitimately did not look like they deserved to be on the same court. (laughs) And and, I mean, that just speaks to Auburn. You could just tell Auburn turned a dial uh, after that. I, I think it was close to the under 12 timeout and Georgia just rolled over and died. And that's not how Tom Crean teams do. Right. They do not die. They fight hard. They push the limit and they play tough basketball. And I mean, in the second half, once we got to that, defenders were just stepping out of the way of Auburn players. They they wanted no part of that game. And I, I think it's really one of those that we finally saw the Auburn team turn it on in all aspects. And yeah. I, I, I think it is a pretty good test. I don't think Georgia is the cream of the crop by any stretch of the imagination, but to make a team roll over and die with the talent that Georgia has on them right now uh, definitely says a lot. Well, I think when you combine the Mississippi State on the road win and and the UGA big win here at home, I think it obviously shows some pretty good signs for what you can expect for Auburn, the rest of the SEC play. Obviously, they had a few struggles with Vanderbilt in that in-between game there, but they eventually took care of business here. And speaking a little bit more about Tom Crean, uh, I continue to earn respect for him as a coach the more I see him. But I felt so bad for the. You looked on the sideline about five minutes left in the game, and he just cannot figure out how to stop Auburn. It's it's he he just literally threw his hands up there. I don't know what to do. And I think again, to his credit, at the end of the game, he even said uh, some sort of statement that if Auburn is not in the conversation at the end of the season as one of the best teams in the nation, uh, then something is wrong. So uh, shout out to Tom Crean for on- being honest. You got whooped up on and you obviously are very respectful of the team that took you on I think the big story out of obviously out of this is Anthony Edwards you know where are we gonna see Anthony Edwards the phenom or where we're gonna see uh, him flop and him just be a bunch of smoke and mirrors so your impressions Drew as your first look officially at for, for Auburn versus Anthony Edwards yeah I think he's a flop uh, as far as like uh, he he sought to get his own didn't play within the team and then pouted whenever it wasn't going well for him. And I mean, that's a harsh outlook on it, but those are all three things that you saw yesterday and Edwards's performance. And I, we all talked about it in our, in our group a little bit. And I think that's where you see Okoro on the other hand for Auburn rising up draft boards is because Okoro, I mean, he came out with seven points yesterday, did not shoot the ball. Well, I mean, he, that's coming off a 20 plus point outing, but the man played some hard defense and he, 
did everything he could to affect the game. He didn't hang his head when a shot wasn't falling. He didn't look for his own all the time. He played within the team and in the system and made an impact on the game, though the stat line doesn't show it on the offensive end. And I think when we look at that, the matchup that was touted, Edwards versus Okoro, I think Okoro won it tenfold yesterday. Oh, I 100% agree there. I mean, obviously, when you just look at stats alone, you would assume that Edwards won. He got his points average, and he, I think it was 18.7 coming into the game. He got 18 uh, for this. And with Orcor only getting seven, you would kind of go, I was like, a, I would call that a Mazda game in terms of stats. But then when you actually watch the play and see how great a defense he's playing and see how he's sharing the ball, the it was I have never seen a better – example of how not to be a successful basketball player especially when you have loads of talent when you watch the comparison of anthony edwards and isaac okoro i'm sorry I'll, I'll say it right here i've got tons of georgia fans and friends uh, that i talk basketball with and i'll say it to their faces i mean you've got a child on your team he is just he, he thinks he is all that and in some ways he is He's got a lot of skills, but he doesn't play well, which is probably why he'll fit in very well at the NBA. There's a lot of selfish players there. But Okoro, I think, last night definitely proved that at this point in the season, he is the better player in the SEC. But we'll see what happens as everything shakes out. And at the end of the year, uh, we'll see who looks the best. Uh, A couple other players I want to mention, you know, the last couple of games, we've had some pretty exciting plays. Uh, I think none better than that Daniel dunk I drew I, I know I, I told you I exclaimed very heavily when Okoro slammed down on that sports center top two play I lost everything on that Daniel dunk and you can ask Jessica to back that up which was the better dunk in your opinion Okoro or, or Daniel uh, I don't know because we even had more dunks yesterday that that were just quality plays so I I think I'm still an Okoro fan because that was a little bit tighter of a game and was almost a momentum swinger. D'Angelo had a really good dunk too. I I don't know. It's kind of hard to pick in between all of them because Anthony McLemore also had one where he drove baseline and just annihilated a guy yesterday too. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I mean, all, all credit to Auburn. They're, they're out there having a, their own dunk contest most games right now. Oh, and it's so entertaining for the fans. Obviously, a huge crowd, even with the ch- the time change. The students showed up again in droves. I think the line was going all the way out to Jordan-Hare Stadium uh, to uh, get in there into the student section, and they piled them in there heavily. Um, but uh, it, it was just fun watching this on TV as well, especially after that Dangel dunk, uh, too. So now uh, what I'd like to talk about here is obviously with a 20 points something lead, Georgia stopped playing defense or, or at least Auburn was just too good uh, for them to be able to figure it out. There is one point where Anthony McLemore on back to back times is standing in the middle of the paint on a transition and nobody guards me. He just lays it in. For a pass down to him, lays it in for dunk. Nobody even near him. So I'm confused a little bit on which to put more credit in. Was it that UGA was just playing bad defense, or was Auburn just basically just too good for them offense? Which would you subscribe to? I, I think it was Auburn was too good for them, and then they just stopped playing defense. Because after Samir Dowdy had just cut the middle of the lane open so many times in a row, and McCormick got around the quarter quite a bit to kick it out, and then Alan Flanagan was doing whatever he felt like too, I, I think at that point UGA just stepped back and took their hands off the wheel. And I felt bad because we're at the six-minute mark, and we had four consecutive possessions with dunks, two by McLemore, two others by other players. And 
I'm sitting there watching the game. I'm like, man, Tom Crean needs a timeout. This thing's about to get really out of hand. And I look down and Tom Crean's already used all his timeouts because this game's gotten really out of hand three <laughs> other times already. And so it, it's just one of those that speaks to the intensity Auburn came ready to play with, which has to be difficult. 11 a.m. tips can't be fun. But yeah, back to what I said earlier, that Georgia team literally rolled up and died as soon as Auburn really tried taking it to them. Yeah, it, it was kind of sad at times to watch and what happened. And it wasn't just the starters that were making mincemeat of the Georgia defense. It was the bench players, too. I mean, we even had some discussions on how we think Bruce is trying to utilize uh, the bench. Obviously, Anthony Ma- McLemore is the first guy off the bench and sees – considerable amount of time almost starter level time at at some points depending on what the situation in here is but we've been discussing a lot is he trying to figure out who should be he being bruce pearl should it be devin cambridge uh you know tyrell jones should it be uh and alan flanagan getting more time on there and and we were kind of thinking maybe there alan flanagan for a while was trying to uh make a case for himself to see more time but I think you and I now have figured out that it seems to be clearly situational. And if you look even at the stat sheet here, you're going to see, um, you know, Alan Flanagan obviously had a great game, 12 points, but Devin Cambridge came off the bench first, and he, I think he even ended the game. So yeah, do you agree that we're going to be probably just seeing situational usage with them? I think he's going to put them in first off situationally because Georgia is a larger team, so it makes sense to put Cambridge in there. And Wiley had hopped into foul trouble. Uh, pretty quickly early on and respect to Wiley he got two fouls in the first half didn't foul again the rest of the game and I think that I think that shows his maturity but as far as the substitutions go I think it was really one of those that he was just trying to get a bigger body in there to frustrate and then I think after that he rolls with whoever the hot hand was and yesterday by golly Alan Flanagan had a hot hand yeah, he did. It was 12 points, uh, two for three from beyond the three point, uh, the three point line, uh, five for six from the field. He had six rebounds, uh, man, just a, a great game overall for him. He continues to impress, you know, obviously we discussed last time coach's son has a little bit extra pressure on them as well. Uh, but, uh, he is coming through with flying colors at this point. And we've got to see finally after a, a long while, what I would call the complete second team. And this includes uh, Javon Franklin, uh, King King Bola, uh, Jones coming in. And, uh, you know, I think, Drew, we might want to start getting used to seeing this combination of of players because after this year, basically everybody we've been talking about a lot is going to be gone, including Okoro. Uh, So any thoughts or things that you saw? I know it's scrub time at the end of this that, that you're seeing from some of the players we don't necessarily get to see a lot of. Oh, I mean, Jalen Williams, good night. Like he, he can <laughs> score and he's long. And I mean, Bruce even tweeted out this morning, one of his family members was uh, posting something about his little give and go and slamming one at the rim. And Bruce said, yeah, he's working hard during practice. He is sitting behind a lot of seniors right now, but his time's coming. And, you know, it's one of those that I, it, it makes me excited to see what's coming and knowing writing Shreve Cooper to that mix and oh, yes. Chris Moore as well. And I would expect we're going to get one more player somewhere in there to just fill any other void that Bruce sees. And that just has me excited. I I think Bruce has done a good job to assemble some really good pieces. And I'm looking forward to what's going to happen going forward. Just out of curiosity, would you like to venture to say what that last piece might be? I, I don't know. I I think you got to look at, you're losing Wiley, you're losing McLemore. You have Akinbola. I think you're probably going to sign another center and I, 
I really don't know who it would be. We had one visiting this past weekend who I think is a 2020, and I think he would be a pretty good fit, 7-1 guy out of the Philippines. But who really knows who it's going to be? There's also the whole grad transfer market and transfer portal and whatever other portals that the NCAA allows to get players. <laughs> uh, so I really don't know who it's going to be. I, I haven't kept up with recruiting as much other than just seeing players come in and out. But, I mean, just watching how Auburn did last year, how Auburn is doing this year, and being at the forefront of everything, that's going to really boost recruiting as far as Bruce being able to go out and have even more clout to get who he wants. Yeah, we'll leave uh, the intense analysis and, and speculation to the Boom Tracker guys here on the E2C Network, our Auburn recruiting show. They can probably follow up on that if they'd like to. Uh, but yeah, I do agree that there's definitely a piece probably left to be fit into the mold for next season. It'll be interesting to see who, what happens there. But, uh, you know, with this Georgia game, you know, I, I know we've kind of talked in, in brush strokes with it, haven't really dived into a lot of it because really, I mean, Auburn just completely dominated them. So I think we can kind of push this one to the side and we'll – obviously get a chance to reevaluate this one again later on in the season when we play Georgia again. Uh, but let's move on to another important game and what I would consider the Amen corner of basketball since we're playing Georgia and Alabama back-to-back and to Alabama uh, this Wednesday. And we'll be playing at 8 o'clock Central Time on the 15th. You can watch the game on ESPN2. Um, Alabama comes in at uh, a record of 8-7 and seven and one and two in conference play. They're coming off a loss to Kentucky, uh, 76 to 67. So not a terrible loss uh, in, in terms of score margin there. Um, you Georgia also came into playing us after a loss to Kentucky. So Drew, I think we can thank Kentucky for basically breaking the will of whatever team they're playing before us. Uh, we'll see if that trans- transfers over to this game as well, but I- I'm not expecting too much from Alabama in Coleman Coliseum. Yeah, I mean, some people have predicted that Auburn's going to lose this game. I just don't see it because Auburn is playing some very good defense right now as well. We're not sending teams to the line far too often. We did against Georgia, but for the most part, we're not making teams shoot a lot of free throws. We are getting the turnovers we need and Auburn's protecting the ball better than they have. And the one thing with this Alabama team coming up is they turn the ball over a lot and they try and get to the line. But if Auburn can neutralize both those things and definitely have a shot going forward. Well, here's the way I look at it, too. Obviously, you've given me a lot of clout this year for predicting that Alabama was going to be competing with Auburn for a spot in the top tier of teams here. Obviously, so far, I've been wrong with that. Auburn is clearly the top tier team in the SEC as of this, as of this moment. Uh, and Alabama, in some ways, is kind of hanging on uh, to middle of the pack right now. I, I I don't understand where the national pundits are getting their opinions from that this Alabama team is something to be scared of. It's a first-year coach in Nate Oates who's coming from Buffalo. This is the first time he's ever even been a part of this rivalry. So, yeah, I mean, I, you've been a part of a rivalry, I'm sure, in Buffalo. I don't know who would be a rival there. But it's nothing like the SEC. It's nothing like Auburn and Alabama. So I fully expect the atmosphere there to be – uh, the fans jump chomping at the bit to take down their rival who's undefeated. But I think what we're going to see is a lot. What has happened is the team uh, that Auburn's playing is going to get out to a little bit of leave. And we're going to slowly Auburn destroy the will of that team, even on the road. And it may be close by the end of it, but that's kind of what I'm anticipating here. Uh, we played a lot of common opponents with them. Furman, Richmond, Mississippi state. They've beaten all of those just like we have. Um, does any of that worry you? Drew, is there any? You got to give me something that worries you about Al. 
I my my thing that worries me is that they can score in bunches. They give up a lot of points though, and they turn the ball over quite a bit. Like they turn the ball over more than other teams turn the ball over against them, which never bodes well going down the road. Uh, my biggest thing that I, I think if Auburn can neutralize, then they win this game. Is if they take Petty out of the game, Alabama's done. Yeah, they they have nothing else besides him. But if he gets hot and he gets going. That's a different story. But I counter that with we have Isaac Okoro and Samir Dowdy who seem to find some chip on his shoulder against Georgia again. <laughs> and going into Alabama, I love chips on all of everybody's shoulders. Uh, and so I'm excited to see how he plays to neutralize that effect. Yeah. I mean, he's playing with that senior attitude of, you know what, like, it, it kind of ticks me off that people aren't giving me more respect and I'm just going to come out and blast whoever because he was talking smack to everyone yesterday. He was going off getting his. And I, I think with those two guys and even Cambridge coming off the bench, who can match up against a bigger guy like Petty. I, I think that bodes very well for Auburn. If you want to know how important John Petty is to the Alabama Crimson Tide, you can look at the stats we always like to kind of look at to watch for. He is their leading scorer at 16.7 points per game, and he's also, as a guard, uh, a bigger guard, a set, uh, the rebound leader at 7.3 points per game. So really, it, this is a case where I think if you shut one player down, Alabama has nowhere else to go, and they're going to be forced in some situations that are not going to set them up for success. So look for that if John Petty – goes off in the game, which he likely probably will at home. I would hope you would. It's in your home court. Uh, this could get a little bit interesting between Auburn and Alabama, but we'll sit here eagerly awaiting that and uh, looking to break that one down in a couple of days. Just a quick women's basketball update for you before we get out of here. Uh, they are struggling a little bit right now. Uh, they just took a loss to Florida at home, 83-63. to 63. Uh, I would say the skid has to stop at this point. Just listening to Coach uh, Flo in some of her uh, post-game uh, comments that you can sense the frustration with her. Uh, no better time to do that than taking on uh, your uh, rival, Alabama. Currently, they are facing them at the moment. I don't have the score in front of me, uh, but hopefully they'll bounce back from that, and we'll update you how they did on the next game. Uh, Drew, before we get out of here, final thoughts, Auburn versus Georgia and moving on to Auburn versus Alabama. Well, it's going to be a nice time to beat our rivals after we just take, took Georgia to school. I still predict we we're about to shut down the Alabama basketball program and put Nate <laughs> Oates out of work, but that's just me. Some people disagree, but I'm looking forward to being right on Wednesday as usual. They uh, will have to make that actual an, an airport hangar now it doesn't even look like a basketball arena just go ahead and flat out make it an airport hangar and just move on with your lives no more basketball for you sirs uh but before we get out of here let's give our contact information My, you can find me on twitter at tiger 24 where can they find you drew find me on twitter also at drew underscore hoop h-o-p zero two that's all we have for you in this edition of inside the jungle but until we talk to you again war eagle war eagle Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to e2cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?